we are driving and driving and driving. And I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea where we're going, but we are far. We're like in the suburbs. This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between. Here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Lexi is back this episode to talk about something that so many of us have done. Does this sound familiar to you? You spend a lot of time communicating with a guy. Maybe you're doing a lot of texting, you're on the phone with him, or you're on video before you meet him. And as you're doing this, you sense a connection building. And then your mind starts to imagine things. Your mind starts imagining that the two of you are hanging out a lot together. You see him in your mind with your friends. You're meeting his friends. You might be going on trips together. You get it, right? It could be that your mind practically has you down the aisle with him. And the two of you haven't actually met face to face yet. Of course, the pandemic has delayed people meeting in person. And Lexi's date with Jerome took place before COVID-19 changed our lives. But even so, the experience she had is a real cautionary tale for women, whether they're doing virtual dating or not. Here's Lexi's first date story. Lexi, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jody. I'm so glad you're having me back for a double whammy. I am thrilled to be talking to you again because the previous story you shared about how you and Sam came to meet and what happened on that first date of yours, that was unlike any story I've heard before. It was such a wonderfully memorable tale. And here you are, you've kindly come back on the podcast to tell us about a date you went on with Jerome. Before we launch into that one though, there are likely some listeners who have not heard the Lexi and Sam episode yet. So they know nothing about you. They know nothing about your backstory. Let's get them up to speed. Could you please share some details about yourself? Sure. So I live in a beautiful sunny area. I am 56 years old. I was single for a very long time before I met Sam. Oh, I'm in marketing. And no kids, one furry friend, and a happy life. So let's get into the story of you and Jerome. How did the two of you cross paths? I was, like I'm sure many of your listeners, on Tinder. And this was a couple years ago. And I was, you know, swiping right, swiping left. And there he was, a very handsome gentleman. What was it about his photos that you responded to? Just how good looking he was? Or was there anything you got from the the photos that said more to you about him? He was handsome and a little rugged. All those things that, you know, I think a lot of women are looking for. The dark and handsome type. And of course, Tinder, you know, not very deep as far (laughs) (laughs) as content goes, which it was always frustrating to me because I love to write and I was always so limited in the number of characters I could have. And I would always rewrite it and rewrite it. I had a lot of fun with it. But 
uh, he, you know, in the limited words that he had, I liked what I read. He seemed like, you know, nice, interesting, professional guy. And uh, so I swiped right. And what happened? We were a match. So you both swipe right. And who got in touch with who? Oh, he made the first move and said something, you know, a little more creative than like, yo, what's up? Which <laughs> I think is pretty common, like first, you know, point of entry on, on online dating apps. I had read my profile, which is, you know, also good to know. It wasn't, he wasn't just sending out feelers. So I liked that and I responded and we started to do the texting back and forth. What were you thinking as you guys were doing the texting back and forth? Oh, it was going well. And uh, so he said, hey, do you want to hop on a call? And so I said, sure. So we exchanged numbers and jumped on the phone. And it was great. We had a really good first conversation. He and you just seemed to have a lot in common from that first time together. Well, I'll tell you, I believe that... Anytime that we meet somebody new and we're excited about, we will look for things to have in common. So I'm not sure how much I had in common with him, but I know that, you know, oh, do you like movies? Do you like, oh, I like hiking, movies, all those things that we tend to generally, you know, walks on the beach and candlelight dinners and all of those kind of (laughs) generic things that we all like. Yeah. So it seemed like we had something in common. I was in a creative profession. He was in a creative profession. So there was that, you know, we lived in the same general area, not really close, but, you know, geographically desirable. So, you know, definitely enough to want to know more. Now, at this time in your life, what were you looking for? Oh, no, I wanted to meet someone. I never was just doing it for fun. I'll say this. I think I was being quite lazy being on Tinder because there's not a lot of depth there. It is looking at photos. And we all know that a lot of times guys aren't even reading the profile. They're just swiping right or left, not at all caring what the woman has written, where I would like really read a profile, look at all the photos, even go as far as trying to look them up on Google using my sleuthing techniques, my (laughs) well-developed sleuthing techniques to find out as much as I could about them. Part of that was the curious nature of my personality. And another part was just safety. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was safe and I wasn't you know, it wasn't a scammer. So at that point in my life, I wanted to meet someone. So, okay. So you and Jerome got on the phone and you guys had a nice banter and you learned about him. That was a first phone conversation. Where did things go from your first conversation? Well, we got on the phone and talked on the phone every single night for a good week. We met on a Monday and we got together on a Sunday day. So by the time we got together, we had already talked six times. So I was writing stories in my head. I think a lot of women do about like what this could be and, you know, oh, the perfect guy. So yeah, I was, I was so excited to meet him that by the time that many phone calls had rolled around, I didn't want to just go for coffee. I decided that I wanted to spend the entire day with him. 
Okay, so backing it up a little bit. So you said you talked to him for six nights in a row. Are you saying that you would pour yourself a glass of wine, sit on the couch and call him up and have these conversations? I'm not even a drinker. So no, it was just getting to know someone. And I think I had not been in a relationship in a really long time. And it was nice to have the attention of someone that was engaging and easy to talk to. And because I hadn't been dating in a long time, and he seemed like a fun guy, I wanted to go do something. And it just seemed like a good idea at the time. Whose idea was it to spend the, the whole day together? Yours or his? It was my idea. He was all over it. Yeah, no, we really liked each other by then. I think we were both had really high hopes and it just seemed like we had already gotten past the basic first date questions and I threw out an idea of something we could do together, like a destination date. And he loved that idea. So that's what we were going to do. Before you went out with him on this Sunday full date, uh, how had you pictured him in your mind? Well, visually, just like he looked in his photos and, you know, kind of a cool hipster, like I pictured him being kind of, you know, urban and I just got an impression of him that maybe I was projecting what I wanted him to be. Sunday rolls around. You've talked six evenings in a row. You're getting ready to go and meet him. You must have been really excited. Well, I was excited, but there was a hiccup. We were going to, he was going to pick me up and we were going to drive down the coast and we were going to go to an amusement park. And it was like a you know really nice drive, and we had it all planned out. It would be like a fun day. And what happened was there was a bridge between us, and there was an accident on the bridge. It was a big deal, almost to the point where the bridge was closed, and he wasn't able to get over the bridge. And there was it wasn't like we're going to take public transportation to go down the coast. So we had to quickly come up with a plan B. And I said, you know, why don't I just come over there? I couldn't just hop in my car and drive across a bridge. So I decided that I would take public transportation there. And it was not something I really enjoy doing, but, or did, had done a lot, but I said, okay, you know, I'll do it. And, you know, you can pick me up. So that's what I did. I got on the train and I went across the bay and then uh, he came to pick me up at the station. Wow. Your plans went sideways, but you guys worked through that part at least. So he picks you up at the, at the station. What's that hello like? Well, first of all, I should tell you what our impromptu plan was, is that he said that he would take me to a really nice lunch, like a fancy lunch. And then we thought, well, we could go on a hike and maybe see a movie, you know, just kind of fill up the day. Okay, Sunday, fun day, right? Pick a number of fun things to do. I'm waiting for him at the station and he pulls up and a Mercedes. 
I drive a Porsche. I'm not the first to say like, I love a nice car, but it was just the way he was so braggadocious about it. Like, hey, baby, I've got a Mercedes. But it wasn't just the car and how he was, hey, this is my Mercedes. It was that he didn't look like his photos. He was much heavier than his photos. And I was like, whoa, you know, I mean, look, I know that there's a lot of women that would have turned around and just been like, okay, yeah, no, thank you or see you. But come on, like, I'm too polite for that. And I thought, look, it's one date. Things are running through my mind. But I'm like, you know, give the guy a chance. We did get along really well on the phone. And yeah, he's not exactly looking like his pictures, but don't be so superficial, Lexi. And so... I thought, all right, just be okay with it. Get in the car. And I did. So we're driving. And I thought, well, we're going to go to a nice lunch, you know, and I'm thinking we're going to go to like some little trendy gourmet place. And I'm not a foodie at all. I'm happy eating it if it comes out of a vending machine. Truly, I am. So we are driving and driving and driving and driving and driving. And we were like, I'm like, oh my God, where are we going? And we're like on the freeway and we're going past what I would consider to be like some exits where you could find like some cool trendy neighborhoods with some, you know, little eatery bistro type places. And I have no idea where we're going, but we are far. We're like in the suburbs. And Part of me is a little nervous because like, okay, I really don't feel comfortable, but we weren't like out in the middle of nowhere. We're in a, like an unincorporated town. There was no downtown or anything. And the next thing I know, he pulls into a strip mall. He takes me into a pizza parlor. I'm like, all right, you know, well, maybe, maybe Anthony Bourdain ate here. <laughs> <laughs> My hunch is he didn't. <laughs> yeah, you would be right, Jody. There wasn't even little cute checkered tablecloths or anything. It was just a pizza joint. And hey, I love pizza. I ate pizza last night. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? But it wasn't this fancy meal <laughs> that I was expecting. And again, I'm not a snob. I was happy. Like, hey, it was taking me to lunch. But it just said so much about, about him and what his idea of fancy was and just how I was talking about we all read things in, into things. So, you know, his idea of a beautifully furnished apartment might be completely different than my idea of a beautifully furnished apartment, right? It's all, it's all our own interpretation. So that was his idea of a fancy meal. And it was just uncomfortable. I, it wasn't so much, I could still have a conversation with him, but I definitely was feeling nothing romantic for him. But in the back of my mind, I was like, how am I going to get out of this? I am in the middle of, when I say the middle of nowhere, I wasn't in a field, but it's not like I could take an Uber back or I could just say, I couldn't be, right. because I had gotten to know him on the phone, I couldn't just say, yeah, this isn't working. I just couldn't. I was like, all right, let's just go on a hike.
we had our meal and then there was a like a regional park nearby now he wasn't really in great shape so I didn't want to take him on any hike that was too strenuous so you know I picked kind of a flat trail that we could walk along and the whole time we're walking he kind of was trying to like hold my hand and I was like oh god so I tried to walk in front of them so he couldn't be beside me and hold my hand and it was so uncomfortable and I just kept trying to steer the conversation to business and like anything just to like get it to where it wasn't about anything romantic or relationship oriented and uh so you're uh, scooting ahead of him you're trying to like move ahead of him he's trying to catch up with you he's trying to grab your hand you're trying to keep it to yourself yeah Uh, and And he's not he's not picking up on this oh my god no no he wasn't getting it so after the hike I was like, ugh, I just wanted to go, but we were in a regional park, right? There was no public transportation or anything. He's like, you know, hey, do you want to see a movie? And I'm like, okay, a movie's safe. You know, I can like not have to talk to him. And so I said, okay. So we looked at some movie times and there was time to kill. I said, well, why don't we go get some coffee? So we went down to get coffee and... Mr. Daddy Warbucks in his Mercedes parks at a parking meter and he leans over and opens the glove compartment and pulls out a disabled placard. You're kidding. Oh, yeah. He was real classy. Uh, real classy. Did he? I'm going to ask a question I think I already know the answer to. Did he have a disability? Oh, he had. A disability at that he moment. Had been, no, he had been in a motorcycle accident and had an injury. And oh, and I later found out too that he was kind of a tall talker. He had oh, he had been working for this coal company, but then he really wasn't working there anymore. So like a lot of stuff didn't add up. But yes, he had had a disability, or he had been disabled, I should say. He, he was disabled and needed to have it at some point. But no, that was a long time ago. But he had found a way to keep it, and he was so proud that he was so clever. I was incredulous, but I bit my tongue because I thought, Lexi, you are never going to see him ever again, so don't even go there. I couldn't believe it. It said everything about him. And, you know, dating, it's all about values, right? You want to share values with someone. And he, nothing could say, we don't share the same values more than that. And I had a long-term boyfriend that uh, was in an an accident and needed to get a disabled placard. He needed a wheelchair to get around. He injured his leg and had surgery. And it was it was such a nightmare to get around in a you know pushing him in a wheelchair and and, and unnerving to know that people were taking those parking spaces, the disabled parking spaces, illegally. So we went in to get coffee, and at that point, I just couldn't wait to leave and. 
I just knew I was never going to see him again. And I just had a quick copy. I had nothing to talk to him about. And that's when I just said, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm not feeling it. And I'm just going to go home from here. And I took public transportation all the way back home. But man, you learn a lot about someone. And how would I know talking to him on the phone about the disabled placard? How would I know that? So when you said to him that you were tired, this isn't working and I'm going home, how did he respond? He was really disappointed and he was a little surprised, but I didn't want to go into it. I didn't feel that I owed him an explanation. Do you have any regrets not saying something to him to help him wake up to his uh, No, No, because in his world and in his mind, he was clever and he was smart for getting one and keeping it. He was clever and he wore that thing like it was a girl with a Gucci handbag. Like he was proud of that. He worked the system, basically. That's yeah. that's and what he was know, proud about. Because he could have put, when I was in his car, he could have put a couple of quarters in the meter, but no, he wanted to show that thing off like it was gold plated. Yeah. This is a guy that you spent a lot of time talking to, and I got to believe that you disclosed a good amount about yourself during those many conversations with him. So how are you feeling about the disconnect between the guy that you disclosed a lot to during your six conversations before you guys met and the guy that you were out with who was such a, a turned out to be such a different sort of person in person? I didn't feel like I gave away too much. I mean, I have a million good stories, as you <laughs> as you can tell. This is just one of many. A lot of our conversations were just a lot about what I do for a living, which is something I'm really proud of and love to do. And, you know, maybe we talked about past relationships, but it wasn't anything where I felt like I bared my soul to him or I disclosed anything that was so private that I felt like, oh, I shouldn't have said all that. I, I didn't feel that at all. However, you gave him a lot of your time. Those six evenings, you could have been doing something else, but you were spending your valuable time talking to him. How are you feeling about that on your way back home? Uh, you know, look, part of me felt like I wasted my time, but another part of me thought, you know what? I felt really desired and appreciated and listened to. And hey, there's something to be said for that. And that was really nice. Was he the person I thought he was? No. But was it, were those conversations still fun and good? And, you know, yeah. He turned out to be so different than you had expected. What didn't you get from the conversations with him? Or how was it that he turned out to be that way in your, when you really reflected back on your interactions with him? Because I wasn't in our conversations. I wasn't asking important things like about values. And I now know how important that is. You know, like a value of mine is, do you vote? Like I have never missed an election from the time I was 18 ever. And that's really important to me. And I now know that it is more important to talk about things that are a little deeper. And that's not anything private. That's just something good to know. It's a way to help filter 
So now you afterwards had this like, epiphany, I guess, that when you're talking to people, guys, in advance of meeting them, that you need to, to do a little more um, disclosing about what was important to you to see how they responded. Yeah. And Sam, for those of you who heard my story of meeting Sam, before I met him, uh, just Google, doing my Google stalking, I found out that he donated a kidney to a complete stranger. I mean, that said everything I needed to know about his values. What else did you learn coming out of this date? I definitely learned not to spend time on the phone. I think one one phone call is okay. You know, you want to do that voice, the voice test that is important to me. I think, you know, some texting banter back and forth is okay, but it's better to meet sooner rather than later. I mean, right now in the age of social distancing, I don't know how soon that can happen, but I definitely think it's better to do that and meet in person and see not only, you know, hey, does he whip out a handicap placard from his uh, glove compartment, <laughs> but uh, does the, just, is the chemistry there? Do, do they, you know, we all know, do they look like their photos? I mean, that's, you know, something that we've all experienced, but yeah, the, ke- the chemistry, you know, I, I was too reliant on the chemistry on the phone versus actually meeting in person. Thank you so much, Lexi, for coming back to the podcast to tell us about your day out and and all that came before your day out with Jerome. It's been really fun to chat with you again. You are so welcome, Jody. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the show, we would love it if you'd go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also subscribe there or wherever you are listening right now. This podcast is also at firstdatestories.com where you'll find articles written by incredibly talented dating experts on all sorts of topics that provide inspiration, guidance, and support to single divorced and widowed women who are dating in midlife. And you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. If you have your own memorable first date story to share, please don't keep it to yourself. We want to hear about it. Email us at hello at firstdatestories.com or go to the contact section of the website. Now for a quick run through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Date Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests are changed for privacy purposes. This podcast is produced and edited by Kim Paletti and Lisa Gray of Sound Mind Productions and is brought to you by Espoir Ventures. First Date Stories is here to help you be your best self, cheer you on, and encourage you to keep showing up for first dates because... Be on your next first date may be the lifelong love you are seeking.